Hello, and welcome to ng-build-pod, where we share with you our knowledge of Angular, all the mistakes we've made, and some of the things we've gotten right. I'm Chris Kamak, and with me as always is John Graham, just two full-stack Angular devs that love to share and be part of the Angular community. Uh, we both work here at Engine on the Engine team at Miles Technologies in Lumberton, New Jersey, and we spent the last few years building out our Head Start framework for the Miles software division, codenamed Breckenridge, and learning a few things along the way that are all about Angular. John, uh, what have you been up to in the past couple of weeks? Well, you know, I think probably like 90% of America have been sick for most of the past two weeks, so the yeah. uh, the personal projects have taken a back seat. Um, but the holidays were good. I took a good vacation. Um, you know, got some decent coding done when I wasn't uh, wasn't uh, so sick. But um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting over this in the spring months. And yeah, it seems like turning up a little bit. Whenever we try to do some kind of personal project, something comes up. Something <laughs> keeps us from spending all of our time on that. But uh, I'm glad that you're over it now. Yeah, certainly on the tail end. All right, for sure. Good stuff. So, yeah. How about you? Anything interesting in your life? Uh, well, I've kind of fallen down the rabbit hole that is Stargate Atlantis. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm all, actually, now that you mention I'm almost done Star Trek. So I'm on season seven, Fantastic. halfway through, trying to get through it. Fantastic. I've been having this uh, science fiction itch for a while now, uh, having rewatched all of the Star Treks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stargate Atlantis, I, I gave it a shot. It's a little bit Xena. A little bit Hercules, a little bit too much of that for me, maybe. But you I've know what? That, yeah. I am enjoying it, so so that's good. Well, I mean, I was a big Xena and Hercules fan back in the day. <laughs> there you Andromeda, go. I went to Andromeda, you know, all that good stuff. So. Sounds good. All right, so let's uh, let's get in uh, talking about here what our main topic is going to be. Today, uh, we want to try and tackle that uh, that big issue of lazy loading. You know, a lot of people know what lazy loading is, um, but they don't know how to do it in Angular. Or uh, they've done it in Angular and they've had some problems, so they've reverted and went back. You know, Angular is such a fast framework as it is. Uh, sometimes lazy loading can be this afterthought. You just don't even think you need that optimization until it's a problem. And that's when you have to now figure it out. So uh, hopefully we can uh, give a couple of interesting facts to the people here today about that sort of thing. Yeah, and I know with our personal experience, we got by without lazy loading for quite a while. Uh, you know, we, we didn't introduce it right away. We did what I would imagine most people do with Angular, which is learn a lot of other things first uh, and then realize, uh, oh, crap, I should uh, probably look at some of this performance stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited to, to go into it. Yeah, performance, always the first thing on your mind and the last <laughs> thing you do. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we get into that, though, let's do some quick tips. Uh, this is a little section where we like to talk about, you know, something that's going to help someone immediately. Uh, you know, not exactly the main topic material, but, you know, something good. So before we dive in, uh, what is it, John, that you have as a quick tip for today? Yeah, well, I guess uh, one of the things that has really saved me in the recent months, um, and I actually was uh, tweeting with uh, John Papa about this because he had uh, some issues with it as well, uh, which is um, uh, prettier RC files. Yeah. Um, so we all use Visual Studio Code here. Sure do. Uh, and we like to use Prettier to keep our formatting consistent. And uh, with Visual Studio Code and Prettier, you can just do default settings, like go into the settings command and, and make your changes there. But what Prettier, uh, what happened to me and John Papa is like, I'm, I don't know if this is definitely the case, but I think it's like a recent VS Code update, just like wiped out my Prettier settings. 
Weird. They were gone. Like I was getting double quotes instead of single quotes, and we all know that that's impossible to to commit double quotes instead of single quotes. <laughs> but uh, it depends on which camp you're in. But <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, that was like I don't even know how it happened. Um, so uh, which was nice is we started switching over to this prettier RC file, which is checked in with the repo. It's a list of all the the settings. So this way, if somebody's got some weird settings on their VS Code because they like it one way, uh, this will overwrite it. Make sure everybody has consistent styles uh, when they're checking stuff in because when you're doing the merge request, it's really rough when you get those like huge formatting changes uh, that come through because people aren't just using consistent tools. Yeah. So uh, check out Prettier RC files if you're using the Prettier extension. If you're not, check out Prettier. It's a really great extension um, and works well for formatting with VS Code. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I agree with that, and I I definitely prefer the uh, setting setting up the prettier settings versus the VS Code settings because you know all, everyone on our team uses VS Code, but that's not true of everyone in the world. So if you're talking about something like GitHub, you know you want to be friendly to someone who's using a different kind of IDE. Prettier is something that's going to have an extension in any IDE framework that you're working with. So it's easier to work with that because you can expect everyone can work with Prettier versus the other way around where they've got to relearn an IDE. Yeah, and you found that cool thing recently where you can just run the command line uh, to prettierify yeah. all of your files. So if you don't if you're just using the VS Code settings, you don't have a prettier RC, that command line I would imagine isn't going to work. Yeah. Uh, so so it's nice to have that as well because you can you can just run tools outside of the development environment to uh, to kind of update everything. Right. And that shout out is to the uh, prettier also has a CLI where you can just run that command and have it auto-correct everything based on your settings uh, in your entire repo. Pretty nice stuff. Yeah. How about you? You got a quick tip? Yeah. You know, the thing that I wanted to talk about today for a quick tip, uh, it's really about a feeling that we all have and a feeling that I get uh, pretty often myself. And that's that imposter syndrome. You know, no matter how far you go in this uh, line of work, whether you're just starting or you've been in it for years, you're going to have moments, um, probably pretty frequently, where you end up thinking, you know, I-, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I don't know why they're asking me to figure out these things because uh, who am I? Like, I didn't create this stuff. And what if I get it wrong? What, what if what if the things I think of are the wrong ideas or someone comes along later and says, boy, you know, that Chris, he really did some crazy things in some of these merges. <laughs> like, we've We've had those conversations about people that used to work here. We don't call them by name. We don't call them by name. You're right. You're right. They're usually initials like by that the time. The original developer. Yeah. Has no idea what they're doing. Exactly. So, so this imposter syndrome, it's a real thing. Um, and I think it's important to talk about it. It's important to bring it up and that it's okay to have those feelings. And also, it's okay to have those feelings and still think that you're pretty good at what you do. You know, like you can have kind of the both. You can have the both worlds in there. Yeah. Uh, just keep in mind that everyone at some point didn't know something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we'll probably have a whole separate podcast just on this alone. But, you know, for you and I, uh, not coming from a traditional tech educated background and things like that, uh, I was actually listening to Scott Hanselman's podcast, Hanselman. It's his last one he just did. I'd have to figure out the title and we can put it in the notes. But um, he talked about imposter syndrome and he said something that really checked with me where he's scared of anybody that has a PhD. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. So he doesn't yeah. have a rational reason for it, but just because they have a PhD and it's like, 
it's it's a path not taken, right? So he didn't go that route. So yeah. he feels like he's left out and he can't contribute. Uh, so that was a really good podcast. I would check that out. They talk about a lot of topics, but imposter syndrome was one of them. And, uh, you know, the piece of advice I took away from his that I think is important to share is um, you don't ever get rid of it. You always feel it. You just get over it quicker. Yeah. You know what I mean? So every time, I'm, you know, you get a task and I get a task, we look at it, we say, well, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. You know, this is I'm not qualified for this. And then, uh, you know, four or five minutes later, Googling, you realize, oh, OK, actually, I do have something that I can kind of think of to get through and understand or you're on stage or doing a presentation. You get over the first five minutes and you're good. So, you know, it never goes away. But I think people that have more experience um and, and deal with it better are just people that get over it quicker. Yeah. You know, it only takes them five minutes to realize I can actually do this versus 20 minutes. You know, I, I, I think that's a good point and a good bring up there uh, on the end of that. Uh, let's go into our main topic here. We're going to talk about some of the uh, concepts and terminology first. So what is lazy loading? John, you want to take this one? What is what is lazy loading at a basic level? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you'll have a lot of comments on the terminology and stuff. I know you just recently introduced lazy loading into one of our applications. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's great. So the, the general idea of what lazy loading is, is you're structuring your application in a way that you don't have to deliver the entire uh, content of the application mm -hmm. uh, when you first load it. So with traditional JavaScript or SPA applications, um, you make a, you know you go to the loading like the login screen or your index whatever your index HTML is and it's going to send down you know all of the script files all of the images all of the uh, um, HTML temp like everything that you need to be able to run this application and um, you know obviously that's okay but once you get to bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger uh, code bases these become you know megs and megs and megs of data that you're sending. And think about it, you know, a lot of people, computers are good, but when you're loading it on a phone or some other device, um, you don't necessarily want that. Particularly in the case of, you know, where you have user roles, and some people are literally never going to go to a section of the application. Yeah. So if I'm not an administrator, I'm never going to go to the user section. It's just, I don't need it. It's never going to be something that applies to me. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think one of the great examples that comes up uh, pretty frequently for something like this, just to just to give a real world uh, perspective to it, imagine that you have a system uh, that you're planning on offering up for users to sign up for for free, and they're going to get some sort of uh, benefit out of it. Let's say it's a it's a task system or a list system or something like that. But you, as an admin, you would like to also use your own system in order to change settings, in order to manage the users. So you've kind of built two facings on this program. One facing is for standard users, and one the other facing is for the admin user. And it might even be a different portal, necessarily. But the question is, if you don't use lazy loading, is that does that mean that you're essentially loading all of that every single time? Yes. Yeah, so, so there, there, there's there's at least one good example. But yeah. I think the one you brought up too, an ERP system, one that has ERP. Oh, okay. So enterprise, what is it? Does that stand for? Enter, enterprise resource, resource planning, planning, something, yeah, that's, I, whatever. That sounds right. It's the kind of thing that's supposed. <laughs> I love to, when we use acronyms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that's supposed to run your entire business, and usually has lots of modules to it, such as. Here's a purchasing module. Um, here's an accounts payable module or a customer's module or 
a user's module or, you know, so on and so forth. All the portions of your business, every department you have in your business would have a different module. Yeah. So if you have a user role and that user role is purchaser, do they need to go to everything? Probably not, right? right. Like they have a very specific window that they care about. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, there's certainly some some woo uh, with the technology behind this for me. Um, but we know that, um, you know, when we serve an Angular application, we get that uh, that output at the end where it has like uh, usually the default, I think, is like four. Right. There's a vendor JS and an app JS. And well, yeah, that's all the Webpack stuff. magic. Yeah. So that's that, that's doing the chunking. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you do lazy loading, it actually creates more chunks of your application uh, because, you know, the application needs to know when to go and pull that day, that information and send it back to the user, right? So it needs to know when, you know, um, I create this user's chunk or module, mm-hmm. um, you know, when do I need to actually send it to the user? So there's some mapping there that gets sent down so that uh, the browser knows, hey, when you go to slash, well, I guess it's the Angular router really is helping with that. When you go to slash users, you know, here I got this chunk file you got to go grab, which has all the information you need to load that. Right. So that's kind of the technology behind it. Now, um, you know, that's all, you know, I said woo because it's the web pack, pack magic. And, you know, if you're an Angular developer, you don't need to know. Uh, how the heck it does those chunks. I mean, it's good to know, but certainly don't let that stop you from doing lazy loading. Right, yeah. There's certainly, like, you know, you don't have to be this expert on Webpack in order to start utilizing it is, is uh, what I think is important. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's the general idea of what lazy loading is. I guess, like, um, what is uh, really uh, good to talk about um, is kind of the two avenues you can take, which is lazy loading by default versus converting to lazy loading uh, after the fact. Yeah, I think that's uh, a that's a good point. Uh, before we move on, though, I just want to state the the major factor here, as far as performance is concerned, is your entire application cannot load, cannot work with the user, can't even show its face to the user, really, until it has parsed everything that you've sent down. So it's not just it's because you're, you're, you've got a massive file you're asking for. It's also that it's actually going to take longer to load the page to show it. So, um, you know, there's, there's more benefits to, to all of this. So, and then, of course, it's also how much memory is it using? You know, obviously, yeah. we don't think about that a lot sometimes because these things are so fast and so efficient. But, you know, we really should be putting performance ahead. Yeah, and I, I know we haven't gotten into the details of it yet, but one of the nice side benefits I wasn't expecting is it really kind of forces you to, uh, you know, think more about your architecture yeah. and how you're sharing modules and you're exporting modules and importing modules. Because I know uh, you and I had several conversations while building our application of uh, where I was like, hey, Chris, uh, you know, I don't want to have to import this module here because then I'm going to have to lazy load it. You know, how should we structure it or should we move things into different modules? And I think it was a really good catalyst uh, for those kinds of conversations where if you feel like, hey, maybe you're not doing too well with Angular architecture or you don't really know the right questions to ask, um, you know, implementing lazy loading kind of like puts a good stopgap to say, well, is this really where I want this to be introduced to the user or should it be introduced somewhere else? And, you know, it, it helps with the structure of the app. So that was something I was totally not expecting, but it was a nice side benefit. Yeah, I agree. And that, that really launches us nicely into the part that you were just saying, you know, how do we how do you go about it? And, and do you add it later or do you add it now? So if you're going to add it later, that's fine. 
There's nothing wrong with that. You may determine that at the beginning stages or V1 of your application, it's just not worth it at this time to do those types of things. But even if that's the case, you really kind of want to chunk things down to the right module level. Because if you're in that mode where you're putting everything under one module or all the concepts under products is one big products module, which is fine up until the point that you now have to load everything from the entire products module. What if I never touch the settings section as a standard user? Maybe that should be its own gig over there, you know? And, and, and that's really what it comes down to. You can add it later, but you have to at least think about the architecture up front, or you're going to have a well pretty hefty rework of uh, changing where things are declared and where they're imported and exported. So making this thought process ahead of time is good, even if you don't plan on immediately doing so. Yeah, and I guess we should talk about, um, you know, uh, what like what aspects of the Angular application are actually lazy loaded. Because we didn't really talk about that. We, we've been kind of uh, hinting at it by our design conversation. Yeah, you're right. Let's um, get into it. But yeah, so let's talk about it. So when I'm going to lazy load an application... Um, let, let's talk about it without lazy loading. So without lazy loading, you, you know, it, it, depending on your, um, you know, your standards of what you do when you're designing, I would typically have a module mm -hmm. uh, for a isolated piece of logic. And then I would have a routing module mm -hmm. for that module. So every module in my applications is going to have a routing module associated to it. Right. And to give an example, we'd say, okay, products is the main route, let's say, for a products module. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the product slash an ID, which now is talking about editing a specific product, or product slash ID slash notes, which would indicate notes about that specific product. Right. And all these routes are kind of under that same module, correct? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then those are segmented, like you're saying, based on entity or however you want to structure it. Sure. Um, you know, and 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 again, we're talking about non-lazy loaded applications. So I just build all my routes. I say when I get to slash products, I want to load the products component, uh, the product list component, probably. When I do ID, I want the product info component. You know, you're just defining all those, uh, and then um, you import your module into your app module. Mm -hmm. uh, so your products module gets imported. And then you load your app routing as well. Right. right. And then and so what happens is is when you go to the website, it's going to load the app module. Yep. And it's going to go and load all the other modules and all of the routes for all of those modules are going to, you know, be loaded. So everything gets loaded in all at once. Um, and so in that case, we're sending the whole application down. It's got all the modules and all the routes. Right. And this is basically because anything that's in the imports section of your app module and anything that's in their imports and so on and so forth in a child structure, right, yeah. going down the descendants, any of those imports now has to load immediately when the app comes up. Right. Correct? Yep. Exactly. Right. Yeah, got yeah. it. So, uh, so we agree on that. So... The concept here is like we don't want that, right? Like you're saying, we want the performance benefit. We don't want to have to load everything. We don't want it to be slow when they first load the page, uh, which can get rough when you get a lot of these things. So um, let's talk about how we structure our application with lazy loading. So um, to me, the first part is the same. I still have the products module, and I still have a routing uh, module for my products module. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that changes there is that the route does not specifically start with products anymore. It's more like we're talking about what would happen after we're at products. But maybe I'm jumping ahead. 
No, I, th- I th- yeah, I, I think it's fine. So, so we we have uh, so maybe I'm incorrect in my assumption. You can correct me. So I will have um, you know my products module, and then inside of there, I have my products routing module, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and then uh, inside of my product routes, you said in the non lazy loading, we have slash products, which we load the product list component. Yep. Now in the lazy loading case, we don't have that. Right. We don't say slash products. We just say. Uh, you know, no no route whatsoever. Yeah, root root, root, uh, root route, route is yeah. is the list page. Root route plus an ID. That's the info page. So the only thing that's changing here is that we're removing that base uh, route piece from our products routing module. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so like the first question is, well, why? What's the point of that? <laughs> um, so I think what we do is, is we take a step out now to our app level routing module, yeah, right, yeah. which is where normally we just import all the other routing modules mm-hmm. and we're good to go. So how is it different in how we define the app level routing module um, versus what we do with non-lazy loading? Right. And so in that case, what we're going to do is we're going to go to that imports list uh for the app module and we're going to say delete the products module but we're not going to import it directly anymore right. and instead we're going to go into the app routing module where we were saying like here's our login page route here's our home route so on and so forth yeah uh and we're going to now put the products there so that's going to be part of the app the slash product exactly the route. app yeah. routing is going to say slash products now and, when, and instead of giving it a component and saying it's going to load a specific component in that case, we actually say you're going to lazy load a module when you see this specific URL. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that right there is the switch. We don't bring it into the imports under app. Instead, we build a route and we say this route is going to lazy load this other module. And then that's where the chunk now happens. Right. It splits off right there. Yeah, and so we talked before about how like the application still needs to know how to go get the files that it hasn't downloaded, right? Yep. So I go to the login screen. I haven't downloaded anything yet. I log well, in. Well, you haven't downloaded anything for products. Sure, sure. Right, for, exactly, for correct. Point. Yeah, you'll need to get some default things. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would be awesome if that we need a no code platform, right? Where you, just, you get no code or nothing. Ah, uh, you've got our, our next personal project online right there. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I go there, I log in, and let's say the landing page is products. So what happens is, is I click login. The Angular router goes, okay, I'm going to take you and route you, navigate by URL or, or whatever you want to do, to slash products. And the app routing module is going to say, okay, I see slash products. And, oh, you've defined it as a lazy load for this module. Let me tell the browser to go grab this chunk, bring it down. Then I look at the routing in the module because Mm -hmm. that's what I'm actually interested in. And I see um, I already have slash products because that's defined at the app route level. Do I have anything else? No, I'm just on the, the, the root part of that. So I'll load the list page. So that's where, like, the component definition is. So yeah, you kind of add, I guess, a layer. Above mm-hmm. what you would normally do, where you'd be very explicit with each component with yep. normal routing. And with lazy loading, you're being explicit with modules. And then inside of the modules, everything's relative yes. to, to what the, the that is. That is a really good way of putting it, that it becomes this relative structure now. Yeah. Um, and so just to take the next step forward now, you can lazy load from a lazy loaded module. So if you're at the app and you say slash products is going to lazy load the products module, 
you can take parts of the products module that maybe are also kind of only specific users that would even touch them. And they can be their own module that come off of the products URL yeah. uh, with something in the products routing that then lazy loads that. And so these chunks, this gets real complicated when you start thinking about it, but Webpack is just brilliant. You know, it just handles this. Yeah, right. and that and that cuts into the piece we were talking about before, which is like it, it makes you have architectural conversations with yourself yeah. and with your team about, hey, well, you know, do I want to bring – so I have this service that uses something else – uh, you know, some some shared service between products and something else. Well, let's let's keep with an example that things? we talked about earlier. Let's talk about notes. Yeah. Let's say that notes are a concept that we have on multiple entities, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So products slash notes is going to load up something specific, specific to how we handle notes. Now, maybe that could be its own module. How do you handle notes? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah because maybe you don't want to bring notes in just in, with products by default. Exactly. Yeah. You know, only if you're getting to that level down lower, you know, and then like notes is going to have its own components and its own services and how to get notes and format right. notes and all that stuff. So you get to chunk all that stuff out to say, you know, hey, I'm sharing it with all these modules, but they're going to decide when they want to actually bring in. Those right. Resources. And of course, it's smart enough to say, hey. I lazy loaded this for products earlier. Now that I'm in the user section and it's asking for it, I've already got it. Yeah. it, it it's not like it, it gets confused and has to do it twice now. Yeah. So you can really have dependencies in multiple places, lazy loaded in multiple places, and it'll just choose to get it when it needs it. Yeah, so I think we're maybe um, starting to... to uh, toe the line of the gotchas with lazy loading. Yeah, yeah. So so I guess, you know, the, the next question is, I think we've kind of explained, you know, how the structure works and how they vary. And if you go to the Angular IO website, they've got a whole guide on lazy loading, how the syntax works, because uh, it is a little bit different when you're defining a module versus a component. We'll put There's those like in the, the show notes too, yeah. so, just so that people have them. So you can definitely go see the guide. We just kind of wanted to get you on the right mentality and thought process. But let's talk about it. What are, you know, you did the, the conversion from traditional routing to lazy loaded routing. And we did use it, I would say, a, a decent amount mm -hmm. uh, in an application we we're building here. Uh, what are some things that you encountered or, you know, things that uh, that maybe we discussed or talked about that you wish you knew ahead of time. Yeah, one of the things right off the top, like I've, I've, as soon as you started saying it, I was like, I know exactly what I need to say here. Uh, we had this traditional model for building out the application where we have an app module. I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> we have an app module, and then we have this either core module or shared module. And the concept is, is we're going to load some controls in there uh, or some pieces that most of our other modules are going to want. Uh, things that products is definitely going to want, something that users is definitely going to want or most likely will want. Mm. And so uh, we made this abstraction layer, you know, uh, which has all of our standard pieces. And so we'd bring that standard pieces thing into um, the uh, products and we'd bring it into the uh, users separately but then an app, we actually have to bring it in there, too, because it's got to be part of the root in order for it to be available so many places. Mm -hmm. uh, so as soon as we made this change, I was like, great, we're lazy loading products. Great, we're lazy loading users. Let me analyze the bundle. And guess what happened, John? 
we lazy loaded everything. Yeah, everything <laughs> came in exactly at once. Yeah. Meaning I had not lazy loaded anything. Yeah. Like I, I had the lazy loaded structure. You coded it to lazy yes. load. <laughs> but it decided I need everything right now. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't wait because you've told me I need it. And this is because, you know, we have this shared or core. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, synonymous name, depending on what you're talking about with architecture, of like a bunch of things that are just like, you know, nice to have. Like, like a formatting a phone number, formatting an address. Um, you know, we have a lot of custom things that we've built, but like those are the, t- the kinds of things we're talking about. So you yeah. have these things in a shared module and you're using it in all these different places. So as a convenience, you bring it in the app. So it's there and it's exported and then you're just importing it. into. Well, because you have app components, you have a logging component, yeah, logging you component. have a home component, right. you might have uh, a, few, a sign up component, you might have a yeah, sign up component. Like exactly. That. And those things probably want to use these nifty tools you've created also. Exactly. Well, yeah. of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> but that means now you're tied, right? Yeah. You're stuck. Yeah. Um, so what we had to do is we had to step back from that architecture just a little bit. And we basically had to say that the app is going to load and it's going to load only what it needs to be an app, not what it needs to show any specific page. Uh, And that its routing would help determine what's going to load along with it. Because, uh, you know, if I'm going to the products section, I only want to load what I need for the products because I went to that URL directly. I didn't need to go to login. I already had a token before. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, I don't even want to load login. That's that's a waste. I'm yeah. not, I don't need that page. Right. You know, so we needed to actually pull back to an even smaller footprint at the app level than, than I think you would normally see in any other kind of uh, circumstance. Yeah. And that's that's really what bit us. So, so the irony here is lazy loading forces you to not be lazy. With how you're loading, right? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, it does. So it does. It forces you to be real. So we we were lazy where we're just saying, hey, let's stick all this stuff in the share, and then we'll just import it, and then we'll just export it, and we don't have to deal with all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know that's what came back to kind of bite us. So so for for when you're thinking about implementing lazy loading before you dive in head first, uh, I, I learned two lessons from from the gotchas. What you said. One is. Uh, Look into Webpack bundling analyzers. So yes. You can see what's actually being changed in your application. There's a really good one um, that just popped up on um, uh, GitHub that I found that, that's a really mm-hmm. good visual tool. Uh, so you want to measure your, your changes, right? You don't want to just say, and now I've added this lazy loading route, my job's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to be able to measure it. That's one. And two is, is you have to take a step back and think about all of the interconnected pieces when it's absolutely needed, when it's not absolutely needed. And maybe you need to take these core features and shared features and break them down more so that, you know, you don't have this just because you have this one function in this one service. Now you have to include that everywhere. Okay, well, maybe take that function out. Maybe try to make a more uh, abstract uh, service or class Mm -hmm. so that you only need to import certain things that you need. Yeah. So those are kind of the two things that you want to do ahead of time. Before you just dive in head first and start lazy loading everything, because you're probably not going to get the results you want. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just want to make a point about that uh, bundle analyzer. Be prepared to be upset with how <laughs> big some of these third-party libraries are that you've been relying on. Yeah. They are a nightmare when yeah. you start looking at them. Because the analyzer we used, we'll, we'll put a, a link to it. I can't remember the name, but it actually visually shows it. So it's yeah. a bigger square, the bigger the thing is that you just loaded. And I want to say half of what we loaded was NG Bootstrap. It was a good Something like that. Yeah, good like portion. it was a ginormous 
uh, ginormous. And then I would script. say the other ginormous one was our shared module. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that had so many things inside true, of it. So, um, so yeah, so it kind of forced us to really rethink. And there's a lot of refactoring that we know we need to do now to be able to support better importing and lazy loading. So, uh, so we're gonna do that. Uh, so, any final thoughts on lazy loading before we kind of move into wrap up? Yeah, the only other thing I think it deserves at least two seconds of thought here is you can also lazy load too much. If you try to lazy load everything at every level and For break sure. your modules too, too small, uh, and what you're going to end up finding is that you're going to actually increase the overall size of your application because the bundling process itself adds kind of like a wrapper around it. And so if you were to chunk everything down, your total app size will be larger. And you may not be getting the performance gains you would like to see. So you have to make logical, smart choices. And those choices should be based on use case. Like uh, when someone goes here, they're probably not going to go there. Therefore, that's a great separation point. Uh, but if you're going to go here and you're probably going to load all these other things, that's pretty normal for a use case probably shouldn't break them into separate modules from a lazy loading perspective. Yeah, so like a product list and product info, you wouldn't lazy load those two things, yeah. right? You go to products, you get list and info screens both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big, like, it's the old it depends, right, on what sure. the right answer is here. And you can certainly, you know, in my opinion, you know how I feel about complexity. Uh, I avoid it at all costs. Uh, it's a big <laughs> thing that I tell everybody that tries to do something with our applications is if it's going to make it more complex, you have to come up with a good reason for it because, um, you know, uh, I don't like complexity. Well, it's yeah. hard to figure out. <laughs> it, it's not just that. You have to document it. You have to keep track of it. And, and this becomes kind of the edge of, of where you can now be. Yeah. Now know? we have this one app that does lazy loading, but all of our other apps still don't do lazy loading. So we can't expect people to be experts in it yet because we're introducing a new sure. idea. So you don't want to introduce a new idea with all the layers and complexity of like these crazy uh, nth degree lazy loaded modules. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it's the old, it depends, you know, you have to think about your scenario. You don't have to be a lazy loading, uh, you know, uh, zealot and have to do it for everything. You know, just do it where it makes, uh, makes the most sense. I think that's, I think that's a good point to bring up. Yeah. I think that's a good one. And that's uh, that's a good topper uh, for our main topic here. So uh, that's it for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening in to uh, ng-build-pod. Uh, it was great uh, having a chance to do this with John again. And uh, we want you to also take an opportunity here to uh, follow us on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Pilgrim Secret. Yep. And I'm at John Graham Dev, G-R-A-H-A-M, Graham Dev, just like the cracker. <laughs> exactly like the cracker. Okay. And uh, we also have a few other things just to, to note. Uh, we are running an external boot camp for Angular applications here. It if is, you're local. It, it's local to Lumberton, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, if that's something that you're interested in, you should reach out to us on social media or you could just um, you know go to Miles Technologies, give us a call if you're interested. Mm -hmm. Uh, we also do uh, some talks occasionally throughout the year, and I know we have one coming up here in April with Code Camp. So watch out for yeah, that. Philly.net we'll Code Camp yep. is where that's at. So you go to the Philly.net user group. They do a Code Camp twice a year. Um, they haven't announced this one. I think they did, actually. I have to go check the date. It's in April at some point. Um, so we're, we're going to be doing a presentation there titled TBD. 
Um, and, you know, we're planning on doing some more later on in the year for sure. Exactly. And then uh, we're going to be at a conference coming up. Yeah. Really so, kind of excited about that right now. Yeah, Dev yeah, Intersection. So Dev Intersection. So we're uh, obviously interested in there's some sub groups there with angle brackets with a specializing in angular and then a sequel one um, so that's in orlando in april as well so april 7th through the 10th i believe we confirm yeah, that uh, pretty so excited about chris, it. <clears throat> chris and i will be down there so if you're uh, in the area and you want to sit down and have a chat or talk to us or you know you want to meet up uh, again the social media is the best way to get a hold of us on twitter absolutely and uh finally but not last year or well, i guess it is last uh <laughs> not List important. Let's put it that way. There you go. Uh, there are uh, always uh, people, uh, positions here at Miles uh, that we're looking to fill. Um, it's part of the process for recruiting that we do here. And uh, Miles has been uh, generous enough to give us a place to record this. Uh, so we certainly want to promote that they have positions available. Go to the careers page at Miles Technologies. Be sure to let them know that you heard about it here on our podcast. And, uh, and that's it for today. Yeah, yeah. We don't have any sponsors. Our, our company is our sponsor. They support us in this. So, you know, definitely check them out if you're interested in software. Uh, and uh, feel free to let us know what you think about the podcast. Rate it on your whatever app you're, you're listening on. Uh, give us some feedback. Uh, let us know what you'd like to hear. If there's any topics you're interested in um, that you'd like to hear us talk about, we'd, we'd love to hear it. So all things uh, Angular. So uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, have a good, uh, good rest of your week, day month, year, whenever you're listening. That's right. Thank you so much. Have See a good one. You.